Faith Forge Fathers is a podcast focused on navigating fatherhood and growing what God has called us to be as fathers. My name is Matthew Green. I'm a father of two young sons, and the mission of this podcast is to provide a wide array of experiences, perspectives through interviewing guests from all stages of fatherhood. My hope is that we'll all learn together, gain encouragement and wisdom along the way. Thanks for listening. Welcome to this episode of Faith Forge Fathers. Today I have with me Ryan McTaggart. Uh, really excited to have this conversation tonight. Uh, was introduced to him by a mutual friend of ours, Joe Rinaldi. Uh, Ryan is the founder of Life Council. It's a program that helps people operate with love, maintain integrity, champion fellowship, and pursue excellence. He's also a writer, speaker, husband, and dad. Uh, really excited to have him on tonight. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Ryan. Hey, thanks, Matt. Excited to be here, man. Yeah, so like I, I like to start uh, kind of with all my episodes, just so people can kind of get familiar with with guests. Is just kind of what's that path of faith and that path of fatherhood look like? Uh, tell us a little about yourself. Yeah, I love it. Um, you know, most things are like tell us about your resume. So it's cool to it's cool <laughs> to answer a different question. But <clears throat> yeah, I mean, my uh, you know my journey to faith. I was actually reflecting with my wife a little bit tonight because um, I don't often articulate it out loud. So it's it's a cool opportunity to do that. And I think to start with me is I don't come from a faith-based family. So I'm actually still to this day, I'm the only believer in my like family of origin, so to speak. Um, so I didn't grow up with faith. And in fact, I, I kind of grew up with a an opposite of faith. I wouldn't say that my upbringing was atheist by any measure, but it was agnostic at most, I think is what I would, how I would think about it. And um and that's really how I grew up with kind of a disinterest in faith or almost a, I, I almost think the lesson was it's up to you, right? Like whatever happens in your life is up to you. Good, bad, indifferent, your control, your responsibility, which I think has some, I mean, you know, powerful and, and helpful things too. But what happened to me was when I was about 24, um, I went through a really difficult breakup. And two years before that, um, I lost my dad very unexpectedly. So my parents are divorced. Um, but my biological father, I spent a lot of time with. So although they were divorced, we spent a lot of time together. And when I was 22 in March, one day I got a call that he had passed away from a diabetic coma. And I, I had talked to him three days before. And as far as I knew, he was totally fine. So that really kind of shook the core of my life a little bit, a lot, a bit. (laughs) And then two years later, um, a a woman that I thought I was probably going to end up with for life um, decided that wasn't going to wasn't going to work for her. And so that, again, kind of shook me to the core. And those two events, as much as I would like to say, hey, those drove me straight to Jesus. Uh, they, They didn't actually. But what they did do is they drove me to not want to be alone. And I had a friend I grew up with who to this day was the best man in my wedding. Um, And the reason he was the best man in my wedding is because he had invited me to church since we were in high school. And I always said, no, I always said no. And he kept asking (laughs) like the perseverance of this man. um, It almost brings me to tears now. Then it annoyed me, but now it's like so powerful. (laughs) And, uh, and so soon after the breakup, and he actually didn't know that I, I had gone through that yet. Sure enough, he invited me to church. And I think in a, I just don't want to be alone. And I want to spend time with people who care about me. I said, yes. 
And I think like a lot of stories go, I had a really powerful moment in that service. And I don't remember anything about the sermon. I don't remember what it was about. I don't remember who the pastor was that day. But I, I always feel like it was a tap on the shoulder, right? It was the Holy Spirit being like, yeah, I've been coming for you. Yeah, I've been you pursuing. I've been coming for you. Here. Yeah, like, welcome home. And I, mm. I felt it big time and like kind of like broke down in that service a couple times and like really went through an experience. But then like, like a stubborn person can be, uh, after the service, I kind of didn't think about it anymore. And I kind of went on with my life and went back to like, Oh, that was kind of weird, but whatever, you know, I don't know what that means. I think not coming from a family of origin of faith. I didn't, I didn't know what to do with that. Right. It kind of left me in this, like, that was cool. But like, now what I like go get the Bible and read it. Like, I don't know what I do next. And so, um, kind of left that, it alone. Is the norm? Is that a one-off experience? Like, you know. Yeah. Was it just because I was emotional from this breakup thing? Yeah. Like, I don't know what's going on here. Right. Like I come from a family where it was like, is, there, is are they just trying to manipulate me? Right. Like, is that whole thing happening at church? Yeah. I don't know. Um, but then I said yes to going to church again, maybe like two months later. And it happened to be a baptism Sunday at this church and the power in that room of the life change that people went through was so undeniable and so palpable that this time it wasn't a tap on the shoulder. It was like a knock over the head. Um, <laughs> and I, th I think that's when I really started leaning into faith as, all right, let's, I'm an analytical person. I have a graduate degree, right? Like I'm kind of a, kind of a learner like that. So of course I went straight to like, let's get a book. Right. So yeah. I started reading more. Um, and really just, I would say that was when I, came to faith, so to speak. And then I would say the last four years, ever since getting married is actually when my faith has gotten really powerful and I've gotten mm -hmm. more into spiritual development, um, spiritual disciplines, spiritual transformation. Um, and not only thinking like, yep, I'm a Christian, but I follow Jesus. And what does that mean? Who was Jesus? What did he do? How did he treat people? How did he live? And how do I emulate that example? So um, that spiritual transformation has been really, really powerful over the last couple of years. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at with faith today. Nice. That's incredibly powerful. So is, I guess that initial time, was it, I, I know you said that that one friend had kept asking you when you got to that, did you ever reach out and be like, okay, Hey, I'm, I'll, I'll take you up on it. Or was it another request from them to, to go, to, to go to the second service? The first, the very first one, was it, was that just from a, another introduction or not introduction, uh, invitation? Yeah. Yeah. He invited me again. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. He, I, I mean, I don't know. I didn't count, but I bet from the time I was, and we were best friends since we were like 13, I think it was. And he probably invited me to church from the ages 13 till 24 I, it, I mean, it, it had to be in the triple digits. It had to be. And I didn't, I didn't say yes once. Never said yes. Tell them. Yeah. There's a lot of similarities that I, I, I feel like we glean. So like, I, I'm similar. Like I didn't grow up. I did not grow up in a, like a super um, Christ centered home. Like, like my, my dad is probably I think more, more agnostic. I would say um, mm -hmm. definitely not an atheist by any means, but it was kind of like, Hey, put your head down and work hard. And, 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 and which, you know, works in a lot of cases, right? Like if you 
you yeah, still have to, you still have to put the effort into to things you you know you can't just sit around and expect everything to kind of come together <laughs> but um so it's even, even now like i'm kind of forming that i feel like that first generation to kind of set the tone for the rest of you know hopefully my sons and grandkids and everything mm-hmm. so i think that, that that's a similar kind of place that that you and i both are uh one thing i'm kind yeah. of curious about talk, talking about your friend did you ever find like when you were like maybe over at their house playing or just kind of like in, in interacting with their family, was there like, was their dynamic maybe different or something that you kind of had your curiosity peaked about or uh, what was that like? Yeah. Um, I'll, honestly, the biggest thing that hit me was both his parents were there oh, wow. and they were together. Right. And like I live, I mean, our generation like we are, we're the generation of divorced kids, basically. Like, I mean, it's our parents' generation divorced over 50%. So when you meet someone in our age bracket, there's a more than 50% chance that that person comes from a divorced household. And I think he was one of two friends that I had whose parents were still married. And I, I, as we got older, you know, I learned like, it's not because their life was perfect. They went through some really hard things, but they just never gave up. And, um, actually it's, it's powerful because his dad, uh, actually married my wife and I, so he stood on one side as my best man and his dad stood on the other side and was the person who married us. And that's, that's why I asked his dad to marry us because I knew his marriage wasn't always perfect. I knew it wasn't always easy, but it always lasted. Um, and I remember just that really sticking with me as a kid was, maybe the household, you know, like they had arguments and they had tough times. And I saw some of that as a kid and their house didn't feel that different than mine, except for that piece. Right. It was Mm -hmm. like, this is interesting to me. Like I have three parents, right. You only have two. I wonder what that's all about. And as I got older, I thought of, and I, you know, I love my parents. My stepdad has been in my life since I was four. He's amazing. Like I don't have any qualms about my own family and how I grew up. But I always remembered that sticking out to me like, huh, interesting, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. So that's one, that's one big piece. And I, that comment you made about being a first generation father, uh, you know, in a Christian household, like we could probably have a whole podcast about that because yeah, I don't have a model. Right. So a lot of times I lean on him and his dad a little bit, like, what does it look like for you? And, I, I have to really reach out and continue those relationships. Cause I, I don't know. I never had a father who led that way. So. Sure. Is your, uh, so is your wife's uh, wife's uh, parents something like, cause I, that's the one thing that I do kind of have to gleam on is like my, my father-in-law is like, there's always been mm-hmm. like a rock solid man of God. So I'm, I'm like, at least I, I'm glad I have <laughs> you know, that blueprint. Um, but it's the same thing, yeah. kind of thing. Like, definitely not just wine and roses forever, but, um, do you have that on that side or are you just like, uh, T equals zero on the timeline? Uh, I would say I'm like T equals 0.5 at best okay. there. Um, her family's amazing. The one thing about her family is her dad is probably the most authentic, nicest. Like if you meet someone and they know him and you bring his name up, it is all positive all, t- all the time, you know, which is amazing. Like you don't get that a lot, no, but that's uh, really her cool. family more, they grew up in the Catholic tradition, but had kind of moved away from it. So I would say it was more of a religion than a faith. Sure. Um, you know, so it wasn't like a daily 
thing that they experienced or she experienced. So mm-hmm. yeah, I would say I'm, I'm, I'm pretty close to T equals cool. one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm similar. My, my mom, I think was more kind of in that sphere of the, the Catholic kind of tradition and maybe not as much yeah. the, the faith component of it. Uh, actually, mm-hmm. I kind of want to dig in to, um, you mentioned that spiritual development and discipline. I kind of like how you said that. I'm curious, like, what does that look like? Huh. Um, yeah, so I don't know, you know, if you or, or anyone listening are familiar. If you're not, Dallas Willard, um, Renovation of the Heart. It's a book. It's heavy. It's dense. But it is a life-changing book if you're looking for what does it actually mean to live a life of faith? Like, what does that mean? Right. And so, and then his, someone who's learned a lot from him that I also love his work is John Mark Comer. John Mark was a pastor in Portland. Yeah. At a Bridgetown church for a long time and is now on his own doing a working for, created a nonprofit called um, practicing the way, which is all about the spiritual disciplines. So the disciplines of prayer, silence, solitude, um, those actual actionable things of faith. So it's not, Hey, I'm a Christian. You're a Christian. Great. We have something in common, but I'm a Christian. So when I wake up in the morning, I read a little scripture, right? And it's Mm -hmm. not because I know everything about it or because I'm a theologian, but it's because I'm grounding my day in my faith and putting God first, you know, like it's, how do you live out the command of, of Jesus's command of love God with all your heart and then love your neighbor. And it's like, well, that sounds really good, but how, what does that actually look like on a day-to-day basis? That's what the spiritual disciplines really are. So I would definitely point people to those two as a starting place for that. Um, yeah, I, I, it's just been really, really powerful. Nice. And it, I feel like is John Mark Homer the author of the, was it like the Relentless Elimination or Hurry or something like that? Yeah, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which is actually okay. a Dallas Willard quote. So the title okay. of that book is actually a quote from Dallas Willard. Um, Dallas, one of Dallas Willard's arguments is um, that one of the enemies, like the way the enemy works in our society to keep us away from God is distraction. So he mm. distracts us with social media. He distracts us with all our own ambitions and our desires and all the things we can buy and own and all the noise we can take in. That is the number one tool of the enemy in our society today. It hasn't always been, but in our world, distraction. So he says, in order to follow Jesus, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. So yeah, that's where I, John I, Mark I, got yeah. that title from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I read a book by Jefferson Bethke called To Hell with oh, the Hustle. Yeah. And it was, you know, kind of a similar, I think, idea. And it was just, I think one of the things he, I think it was that book you mentioned, like, you know, Jesus walked everywhere, right? Like he, like, mm-hmm. He wasn't, you know, in full sprint from place to place. You know, he he walked and he had conversations, and it was like a you know a slow paced life of just like mm-hmm. pouring into people, and it wasn't like this frantic, you know, all over the place. And I, I think you're spot on about yeah. that being, you know, kind of a, an epidemic in our current culture. It's how we, how often we hear like, you know, I don't have time. I don't have enough time for mm-hmm. Alex. And I heard something really powerful <laughs> once that said. Every time you say, I don't have time for blank, switch it up and say, blank is not a priority to me and see how you feel afterwards. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, like, oh, I, I don't have time to work out. Oh, working out's not a priority. I was like, oh, my. Oh. 
read my mm-hmm. Bible. I don't have time for it. Oh, it's not a problem. Say that one, right? <laughs> how you feel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pray with my family, right? Talk to my family, spend time with my kid. I mean, it. that's a really good, I wrote an article one time on the lot. I called it the lies of the grind because I was all about the hustle mm-hmm. culture, the grind culture for years. Like, super in it loved it like my instagram is still full of like these like motivational things and i've I've thought about like deleting it and restarting because i'm like i don't i've i feel like i've matured past a lot of that in my life and i still like it motivation is still helpful sometimes but i really want to be driven by priorities and by meaning and i and i you know you had a really good example like jesus walked everywhere and even when other people tried to hurry him you see him not buy into it and have to like, he teaches his disciples along the way. Like one of my favorite ones is like the rich man who's like, Hey, come and heal my, my kid. Right. And on the way to do that, a woman touches his robe and he stops and he's like, who was that? And he mm-hmm. pastors to this woman. And you've got to imagine all these other people are like, uh, dude, Tell this me. kid is dying. Like we're on the yeah. way somewhere. We don't have time for this. And he uses an opportunity to say, not only do we have time for it, but this is our entire mission. Right. This is what we're here to do. And um, those moments are just so same thing, like when they're going to stone the woman for adultery and he doesn't go in there and speak right away. He kneels down and draws in the dirt. And we don't know what he draws or writes in the dirt. Right. But he like pauses and he makes everybody else pause. And then he asks the question of like, all right, whoever hasn't sinned, throw the first stone. And I think the pause is the power because people have had to sit there and be like, what, what's he doing? Then he drives this question. And I think, in our own world, in our own life. Like I know I've experienced, and I don't know, Matt, if you've experienced, but those moments where I'm willing and able to pause and slow, that's when the best things happen is like after that moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it shows the importance of like l- living our lives, like in the moment to in the moment versus just like hoping the day comes together because you know, like, like you just like those, you know, couple instances of Jesus, like, in the heat of the moment of needing to go heal that kid like he was just like no like this moment has arisen where i need to address this my full effort Mm -hmm. my full focus my whole attention now i'm moving on to the next thing and it could be the same thing with our kids whether it's you know are building legos now full you know full the thing i always tell my oldest is we're going to do everything full effort full focus like that's what like like this is where we're at but you know it's so easy to be like I'm building Legos, but what about that email? And, you know, uh, when am I going to get this in? When am I going to do that? Versus just be like, you know, let's just take it uh, moment by moment and be fully present in it and then let everything. And I think it also, I think it's so powerful, like how that intentionality by Jesus set the tone for those, like, you know, I envision like a bunch of people like, you know, rocks, stones kind of cocked back in hand and you know, mm-hmm. they just kind of start falling to the ground as people let go of them as he, you know, maybe looking around like, what's this guy doing? But the mm-hmm. calmness and the intentionality probably just kind of like let the air out a little bit. And yeah, I think it's like, yeah, like how many stories in the Bible can be traced back to like lots of anxious energy and then Jesus like, right? Like, oh, the storm is going to kill us. He's like, it's fine calm down. Why do you have such little faith? Right? Like, I mean, there's so many stories of that. And, and I think if we take that into our fatherhood, like, I mean, yeah, because let's be honest, like building Legos with kids when they're little, like they're not building like cool stuff yet. (laughs) Like, it's like, I don't know, this is all like random stuff just being plopped together and all that. And it's so easy to not 
be in that moment because there's so many other things that can distract us. And, and some of those distractions are good things, right? Like mm -hmm. being a good colleague, all that, those aren't bad things, but yeah, I mean, living where your feet are, I think is a, is a powerful lesson that maybe Jesus never says directly, but models it all over the place. So those, those are like spiritual disciplines is like reading the Bible for stuff like that. And you notice those things between and, um, yeah. No, I, I really, I love that. So in terms of like kind of getting into the word every morning, is that kind of part of your rhythm routine, how you start the day? Yeah. I mean, I know this is something that you've talked with other folks about and I, uh, um, so my, my kiddo is just over two months. So I'll, I'll let people know that. So I'm new, right? So I'm still, I'm still learning. So yes. And I think something that's a challenge for highly driven, highly disciplined people, which not in like an arrogant way, but I would consider myself a pretty disciplined person. I had a real sweet routine, man. Like I had a great morning routine. I was like on it, wake up, get in the word journal, get some coffee, do a workout and all before like seven 30 and just feeling great. Right. Well, a 10 week old doesn't care about, doesn't care about that. So getting in the word in the morning. Yeah. It's something that like, so what I've done is I've just adjusted what it looks like. And that, that took me when he first came home with us, that took me a while. The first few weeks were pretty rough. I really struggled with just the complete shakeup. I'm a very, I thrive in routine. I really like routine. And I, I struggled. Like I, I had some dark moments. I had some tears, like it was tough. And, but what I found over time now, and I'm still figuring it out. Like I don't get in the word every morning still, you know, I want to, but what I found is like, I adjusted what it looked like. It didn't mean I had to sit down by myself in the quiet and read for 20 minutes. Right. So I found uh, there's an app, um, Lectio 365, which is like, and they do like a guided listening prayer. So if nothing else, now when I'm going for a walk later in the day, or usually in the morning, I'll, I'll take our kiddo out and, uh, you know, toss him in the stroller and, and get a little walk in and get him some fresh air. I'll listen to that, you know? So if I didn't get my reading in, I'll listen to that and go along with it. Cause they read some scripture, they do some prayer. Um, they give space for you to think about it. And I think the average one is probably like eight minutes long. Right. Nice. So it might not be what my favorite way to practice the discipline of scripture is, but, but it works and it grounds my day and puts God in my, on mind right at the beginning sure. of the day. So, so that's what I've tried to do is just adjust like, okay, don't get so obsessed with the how focus more on the why and let the how adjust how it needs to adjust. And will I eventually go back to mornings by myself and getting some reading in as he gets older? That will be my goal. But in the moment, we ain't there. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> you know? As you know, I mean, you've been there too. Like, yeah. just not yeah, really going to happen. And, and each additional one that comes has a, <laughs> a flavor of their own in terms of how they're going to adjust to your routine and, and everything. Yeah. And I really no like doubt. what you said there, like, rather than just saying like, oh, full stop, it doesn't work. I can't do this. Like you made an adjustment and you said like, this is, this is a priority. So it's not a, should I do it? Uh, it's a, how do I do it? And mm -hmm. it's finding ways to like incorporate in things you were already going to do, right? You were already going to go on the walk. So rather than going on the walk frustrated, you didn't get to read, like, we'll do this congruently. I think that mm -hmm. that's a really perfect, 
because it's easy just to throw music on and let your mind just kind of wander. Um, but to make the purposeful effort to be like, nope, this is a priority. I think that that's really powerful and kind of sets the tone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's worked, you know, it's not my favorite thing, but, and honestly, it's been a good, it's taught me some things like listen, doing a prayer with someone else. It's kind of powerful in its own way. And I had never actually really done that. So I think what I'm do what I'm getting from it are things I'll, I'll carry with me once it's over. Right. I really like that. So you mentioned, obviously you said you're two, two months in to this crazy, you know, two and a half, problem. give me two some credit. Half. There you go. <laughs> you it up to three, two and a half rounds up to three. Um, but so how, how have expectations met reality? Is it, you know, is there anything that you've just been like, what? Like, I can't believe that that's how it is. Or did you do enough like reading ahead of time? You're like, okay, this is to be expected. Kind of what's that look like? Yeah. I mean, you know, I did do a lot of reading at a time because somehow that felt like I would have more control. Um, you know, honestly, the thing that, and I would tell anyone who's becoming a new dad, I was overwhelmed by the negativity that I got when I told people that we were having a kid. Interesting. Oh, you'll never sleep again. Oh, gotcha. you'll never work out again. Oh, just wait until this happens. Oh, just wait until that happens. And, you know, I think that's just people trying to process their own stuff. Like, I don't hold it against anyone. It's fine. But what I've really been surprised by is most of that stuff hasn't come to pass with nearly the intensity that I was told. Hmm. And so I think just like expectations, I, I think I bought a little too into that. And I had, a, I had more fear going into having the kiddo than maybe I needed to. And what I wish I would have leaned into more is I've got an amazing wife. I'm not doing this alone. We are in a good position life-wise. We wanted to have, a, we wanted to have children, right? Like mm -hmm. this happened on our timeline. Um, we wanted to have kids earlier and we had some struggles, you know, and we can talk about that too, if you want to, but, but it's like, you know, we have, we had everything going for us. We were excited. We were ready. And I bought a little too much into the negativity of the expectations. So I think on the positive side, like I've been, the reality has not been, yes, we lost some sleep. Yes. We still wake up every morning between two and 3.00 AM. And honestly, I'm, I'm okay. Like mm. I'm okay. And now I have this, kid that's like crazy to like every day he changes like it's a, like oh, yeah. i professionally i work with adults like an adult learning and adult growth man change can be slow and change mm. can be hard right but with the with a kid i've been so pleasantly surprised with just like holy cow like he holds his head up better today than he did yesterday like that's yeah. amazing to me um you know i'm trying to think I of like the other like, how simple like the yeah. early milestones are like, it, like yeah. it just shows that like something doesn't have to be like crazy to be significant, right? Something mm -hmm. simple, like lifting a head up, you know, uh, first smile, first giggle, like these little things that like, you know, a couple of years from now, like we all take for granted, but in the beginning, it's just like, yeah, I'll take a really poor night of sleep to watch my baby smile at me. Like yeah. worth it, you know? Give me a cup of coffee. I'll let that baby smile at me all day long. So yeah, I think that that's really interesting. Um, Cause when you first kind of said that you're the, by negativity, I, I, my initial thought was people being like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you guys. But to hear like 
the actual negative responses you're talking about in terms of like everybody getting hyper focused on all the the uh, the adverse you know components of mm-hmm. it. I think that's totally true. I think that's people's natural inclination to just kind of you know like you get a new job. It's like oh well, are you gonna have to work too much or are you gonna have a how's that commute? And I'm like oh, no, it's okay. You know, well, how about we just focus on the, on the positive here? So that that's really interesting, and I'm glad to hear that like. You know, as you're going, like you feel like the expectations are like unwinding themselves into a more positive mm-hmm. reality. I think that that's really powerful. Yeah, I mean, I got to the point right before he was born, and still today, when I meet somebody who has a kiddo, a new kiddo, or whatever, and you know, they say something, I always ask, "What's your favorite part? What's your favorite part about being a parent?" Right? Like, I always try to end the conversation because I'm like, for me and for you, like you got to go home and like be around this kid now who you just complained at me for 10 minutes about how hard it is to be a parent. Let's give a positive note for both of us. So really, and honestly, what's been so fun is people just light up, man. I I think that's what people really want to talk about. But the social norm and expectation is that is exactly what you said. Like, it's not just with kids, it's with everything. It's like this, I need to warn this person because if I don't, and then it's hard I'm going to feel like I didn't do something to help them. Right. I think it all comes from good places, but, um, but yeah. So I always say like, what's your favorite part? That's how I always try to end conversations about parenting now. I, I absolutely love that. I'm going to have to kind of incorporate that. And it probably sets the tone for them going back to their kids with the pot, like the, all the positivity that they just, you know, spoke of their children to somebody else. They get back to them like, Oh my gosh, there's that wonderful <laughs> giggle that I just told Ryan about. Oh, I love it so much. So yeah. that's probably kind of so. helping, helping redirect <laughs> people's perspectives as they go back to their families, which is pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. And so one thing I thought was cool. So the, the way that you and I originally got introduced was um, by kind of the research kind of effort that you're undertaking, kind of as you were embarking, I said, embarking on fatherhood, and, and you said you're a researcher by nature and just trying to learn. And so I'm really curious to hear, like, um, like as you've gone through and like done all these interviews and you're talking to all these individuals, um, I guess two questions kind of going, um, do you find yourself getting like a negative kind of? Like, kind of perspective that you got kind of on that initial thing? And then is there anything that you've, is there any general themes that you find kind of coming to the surface that you've been able to kind of either take and make adjustments or just kind of have a, something to look forward to and what's that look like for you? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. So this, this project is, is ongoing. It's um, I bounce back and forth. Should it be like an article or, should I just, you know, go big and even make this thing, try to make it a book someday? Um, Cause I was also not super impressed with like books about fatherhood when I first started looking around, like they, I don't know, some, some of them felt very surface level and I just kind of got a little disheartened. So I've wondered maybe we should do that, but yeah, I would say in interviewing and what's been fun is I've been able to interview people who are dads, new dads, you know, dads whose kids are now dads of their own, right? Like I've interviewed a couple of people like that and, um, you know, I would say some of the themes that have popped up are things we've, we've kind of already touched on, but one that we haven't is the power of the partnership with whoever you're going to raise that kiddo with. Um, and one, one gap that I do want to find is like a single, you know, I haven't been able to talk to a single dad at this point, or, uh, you know, I haven't had that perspective yet, 
but every single dad I've talked to you, and I knew this, I knew this, you know how you can know something like, yeah, I read it in the book, but then there's a whole different level of knowledge when you experience it. Right. Hmm. Which I think is what I, you know, it's like reading the Bible versus like experiencing something like Jesus touching your life somehow. So I knew, I knew that when you have kids, you still need to put your marriage or your partnership first before your kids. I knew that because I'd read it, but talking to these guys, I feel like I'm experiencing it. And every single one of them has mentioned the power of keeping your wife, your partnership first, whatever that means. Right. And one thing is like, that doesn't mean you have to have a date night every week. Like when you have multiple kids, you know, probably not realistic, but when you walk by each other in the kitchen, can you give each other a hug? Even if the kids are kind of freaking out. Right. And that little moment of peace between the two of you, even amidst like kind of a chaotic environment, that's basically the same. Right. But you need to maintain that connection. So that's been one theme that actually I didn't really I don't have any questions in the interview protocol about that other than how do you and your partner work together? That's what I ask. And people start talking about like connection and love. And like, and you're like, wow, this really hits like a nerve on that theme. Um, the other thing I think we have talked about, which is be present and take it one, one step at a time because, and I don't remember where I read this, but it's really resonated now that I've had my kiddo for a while. Every phase will go fast. Mm. The good ones will go fast and so will the bad ones. So hang on tight to all of them. Right. And that is sometimes a really good reframe for me because it's like, man, this whole like crying at 1am thing. Like when we first brought him home, he was a, he was a preemie. So we had to wake up every two hours to feed him, whether he was up or not. Right. And I remember like, this is so brutal, but we made a conscious effort, like, but it's going to go away fast. So let's still live it. Let's like live in it. Let's be in it. Um, and I'm really glad we did that. And I kind of took that away from some of the interviews that I had done where people talked about all phases of raising kids. And it's like, just be in it. Cause even the tough ones, you'll wish you remembered or wish you sat in yeah. a little more. I don't yeah, know. Is that, how, is that resonate with your experience? No, absolutely. Um, there's a lot of times where like my wife and I maybe will be frustrated or struggling with something and then we'll kind of be like, we're, we're, we're going to miss this someday. Like, you know, there, there'll be days, maybe like a, one of your kiddos is um, like really clingy or like just like really needs, you know, just really wants mom's attention or really wants dad's attention. And like, you know, you're trying to cook dinner and do, and you're old. You know, the other one also is asking you questions and you're just like, uh, like, and then when you're like, like, I'm going to miss them wanting my attention. I'm going to miss them. Yeah. And so us being purposeful and being like, there's going to be a day that we're, we're really going to wish that they, all they wanted was mom or dad to pick them up, you know? Mm-hmm. And so just remembering that to your point, it may be in the moment it's stressful. You can feel tapped out emotionally that you're still going to somehow going to miss it. Um, mm-hmm. and you don't realize it in the moment, but you know, a month later, like you said, things happen so fast, right? It could be a week later that you realize, Hey, they're not doing that anymore. Oh, that's kind of sad. I didn't realize that was the last time that that ever was going to happen. You know, yeah. because you never know something's the last time it's going to happen until one day you look back and you're like, Oh, I would have mm-hmm. liked to have known. Right. Um, but you don't, <laughs> they're gone. And so, yeah, that absolutely resonates with me because it, it makes you, um, I always have to, 
uh, it helps you assume positive intent, I guess, in a sense, right? Like, like your kid's not trying to frustrate you. They're not trying to, you know, they don't know all the dynamics of a circumstance. They're just like, I need my mom. I need my dad. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's all at their heart that they need. And so you're just like, okay, like I see you, bud. I got you. Mm-hmm. I'll cook it one hand today. You know, like I got you. Like, <laughs> we'll figure together. this out. <laughs> we'll figure this out, man. Yeah. So, yeah. There is uh, um one parenting book that I'm, I'm, I'm like halfway through it right now, but that I actually have enjoyed, but it's called better inside. And that the main, the main point of the beginning is like operate and always remember that like your kid is good inside the external behavior is a signal of something else, but that doesn't take away the goodness of your kid. Right. And same could be true about your partner, all sorts of stuff. It's like, if you can operate with the assumption that like, this is a very good person that I love. Now, what is this behavior telling me? What am I learning from this? What am I getting Mm. from this? And yeah, like this could be the last time, you know, I mean, there's, there's going to come that day that you're going to take your kid out of school. And the last thing they're going to want is a hug from you. So that needy hug today, it's like, all right, you know, like this is a lot. Yeah, yeah I'm too cool like, for your middle school wave. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. I used, to, I used to teach middle school and high school. Step at the corner and, and let me out here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used to teach middle school and high school, so I watched that happen. Oh man, every day, you know, and it was like, man, those parents would probably beg for that day back just sure. once. You know, doesn't make it easy. That's the thing. I don't. I don't want to make it trivial, and I don't want it to sound like some trope because it's still hard, man. It's still hard. But if at the end of the day you can remind yourself of that more often than you don't, I don't think you'd regret it. You know? Yeah. I think that's super accurate. Like there's no, you're never going to get it right all the time, you know? And I think that there's giving yourself some grace because, you know, I I mean, I have had plenty of days where at the end of the day, I'm like, man, I can just count, count the instances that I could (laughs) handle better. And, but it's like, wake up the next day with, with the intentionality of doing better than you, you did the prior day, right? Mm-hmm. Don't let it, you know, keep compounding into the next day. And especially as your, you know, young kids, they've got like such a short window, like of like a moment, like whether that's like you need to um, correct them from like them doing, you know, it could be something simple, like they're t- they're pulling on something they're not supposed to, right? You have a really tight window on when you can address something before mm-hmm. their mind is on to the next thing and they forgot about that and you go like no don't do that they're gonna like, they're gonna look at you like what are you, what are you talking about but <laughs> as they get older right there that the the recollection and the like internalization of those negative instances like get bigger and bigger and so now i'm like is this worth you know you know, I, I've really internalized this number scale that me and David um, from a couple of, he's in my small group, but being around people who, who operate very even keel, um, mm-hmm. when I'm not always even keel, if I'm being honest, uh, I typically am like zero to a hundred, <laughs> like unnecessarily fast. So like the, I'd say the last like four or five months, you know, it's like going into circumstances, just being like, what number response does this warrant? And this is a two situation because I know if I give this a seven, like that's going to impact, like there's going to have ripple effects that you mm-hmm. just, that are unnecessary. Um, the show grace, show love now, um, put your pride aside. I think pride is like one of the, the toughest parts of parenting because there's so many times when 
know, your, your, uh, your pride and your ego is, is tested, especially as a dad and to feel like you always got to be like, um, like the, the in control dominant, like figure, like I struggle with yeah. that sometimes. Um, but realizing like sometimes just submitting to, Hey, Hey buddy, I was, I mishandled that. I was wrong. Like have yeah. such huge impacts because it's, it's tough in the moment. Yeah. That's why, you know, you read the life council acronym at the beginning, but they're also in order. Operate with love is first on purpose, uh-huh. right? Because that's a foundation you've got to do that first, right? You can't, you can't maintain your integrity unless you're operating with love. You just, you won't. Most lapses in integrity come from the opposite of love, right? Wherever that is. Um, and then fellowship, right? You can't, you can't champion fellowship without love and your integrity. If people can't count on you, can't be in fellowship with people. And then excellence comes last because if you don't have those first three, excellence is empty. And I, mm. I felt that, right. I've done, you know, races or other like kind of physical type events and been successful and everything. But it's like, if I got, if you get to the finish line and you look around and you're just standing there by yourself, what'd you really do? (laughs) You know? And so I think you're totally right. Like when you interact with your kiddos, if love is at the foundation and again, it's not easy. You're not always going to be perfect. I've actually really struggled in these first few months of like feeling like I need to be perfect all the time for both my son, but even, even more for my, my wife. Right. And if I'm like, Oh, I was working out and I missed that baby was crying and I was supposed to get the baby. And now you had to get the baby. I'm terrible. I'm a failure. I'm awful. Right. And it's like, Hey, we're, we're getting used to this thing still. Right. We're still Mm -hmm. figuring things out. So coming at things with love first is so foundational, both for you said, like, give yourself that grace, give yourself that love. And then, you know, if you're going to interact with your kiddo, what would it look like to operate with love in that interaction? Even that question can like put the pause enough to say, okay, this is a three because love looks like a three. Now, if that kiddo is running into a busy street, love all of a sudden looks like a 10. Right. And that's okay. You know, love isn't always passive. Love is very active. And so sometimes a, a love is a 10, but more often than not, yeah, I, I like that number. So I've heard you talk about that number system before too. And I've mm-hmm. actually thought about it the other day with work, to be honest with you. I was like, wait a minute, this is not a, I don't need an eight reaction <laughs> to this email. <laughs> <laughs> per my last email. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but so but one thing I, I did want to kind of talk to you about, and I feel like we may have hit on it a little bit, but I think it's worth, so you posted a story, I think of you on a walk. I, couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago. And, it, mm-hmm. and I felt really convicted by it, if I'm being completely honest with you. Um, and, I, and I just kind of wanted to <laughs> no, it was, it was in like the best way possible. I think feeling convicted is, is great because I think I it's, do too. it's that it's the nudge you need. I think it, you know, just the nudge you need to get, get yourself back on the right track. And sometimes you just need to hear something that, you know, you need to hear. And I may butcher it. So, so correct me, but you were kind of talking about, um, I think the topic was like, not you, like, don't let yourself use your kids in as, as an excuse to not pursue mm-hmm. like things that may, I think working out, I think was kind of at the heart of that, the story, but it was like, you know, it, it's not because you have a, a, a child that you're not able to, um, uh, be healthy or fit or, pers- you know, 
get reading in a pursuit. It's just that you know you're not properly by maybe prioritizing. So don't put that mm-hmm. on your child. You know, be more purposeful and disciplined in how you approach things. Um, yeah, I was kind of just curious, like you know, we kind of wanted you to kind of be able to have a chance of ex- to expand because like I have done that with my second. Uh, he's the one that threw the wrench in my routine because my first was, you know, he was almost seemed like he was, he came out like, Oh, dad has a routine. This is how I'm going to sleep. This is how I'm honor, gonna... honor my father and mother. Honor my father. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, and so, and then, then my second came around, I was just kind of like, dude, like, why aren't you sleeping through the night? Why aren't you like, I, I can't sleep you know regularly. So I don't know when I can work out because of it. And it was just like, mm-hmm. blame him, blame him, blame him, blame him. And I, your story, I was just like, whew, that's what I needed to hear. And so, okay, I just wanted to kind of give you a chance to yeah. maybe expand on that. Yeah, it can't, I, I actually can't remember, you know, most of these things, like you go on a walk without headphones and you start thinking about stuff. And I'm sure it came from somewhere that I had, you know, things come from different places. But really what the heart of it was, is I have a fear I have a fear that we are going to have a, a large generation of adults soon who are now our kids who have been told that that are going to carry trauma, that they ruin their parents' lives, that they mm. are, that their parents didn't become the people they knew they could become because of their kids. And I worry what that will do to a whole group of adults who were basically my parents were a victim of me, but my existence was their choice. Maybe not their choice. I know there's circumstances. So Instagram story caveat. I know there's a lot of nuance that I didn't get to cover, but that is kind of this, like I have this ongoing thought and fear because I hear it so much. So often when I talk to parents, Oh yeah, well now that I have kids, I don't do this, this, and this, or yeah, I really wanted that other job, but, then I had kids or, and I'm like, if, if the tone is, yeah, I don't, like you said before, working out to me is no longer a big priority because I have my kids. Cool. Great. But if it's, I really want to be more fit and I really want to do these things and I have these dreams, but I have kids. Now there's a problem with that, right? Because there's no way you can hide that from that kid for very long. They're going to hear it. They're going to feel it. They're going to see it. And I don't know what that will do to a generation if it was never their choice to be here and yet they were blamed for being here. Right. Yeah. That's so, and I wonder, I mean, going even back to earlier in our conversation, I wonder how much of that cycle starts with people's negative responses on the front end. Right. Like why do you plant all these like, like right off the bat, negative seeds in your brain about all these negative mm-hmm. things having your child is going to bring into your life. We're like, we just need to make a purposeful effort of like always, you know, speaking, you know, speaking life into people and like mm-hmm. how amazing you guys are going to have such amazing memories together in your life and yep. not, man, I wonder yeah, like, like, how much one feeds the other. Like it's just a vicious cycle at that point. Yeah. Like, Hey, parenthood's hard, man. There's no doubt. Like I have a goddaughter too, who's seven now that I was so blessed to basically be her. I mean, I've, I've been in her life very, I actually lived in their basement when she was born. So like right there through a lot of her childhood and it is hard. Kids are tough. I know 
but it's not, it's not her fault if her parents don't chase their dreams. That's, I think that's where we get into that nuance, right? That negativity of like, it's their fault. It's so hard. Everything is tough. Everything sucks. And it's like, well, there's a lot of good here too. Like there's a reason the human race continues to go on, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, like there's a lot of good here. And so, yeah, I mean, I would challenge everybody. Like if you are a parent and someone else, you know, is asking you about parenthood, you don't have to say everything is roses, but you sure as heck can give some positive mixed in with some of the, Hey, here's some difficult things I've experienced in mine, but here are some awesome things too. And I think that would, that could change. I, I think that could change the world if more people did that. Uh, and I don't mean to be like fluffy. I really think that could change the well, world. I do too. Um, but yeah, so that's the idea is like, don't, don't blame your kiddo for a choice that a priority choice that you're making. And I, you know, the other place it came from is when I, when we first got pregnant, someone told me like everything you do for self-care gone, you'll never do it again. Right. Well, that same person is probably on Instagram for a, at least an hour to an hour and a half a day. So my thing was like, my self-care isn't gone because what I did when we had our kid is I put an Instagram timer on my phone at 15 minutes a day. Hmm. That's all I get. So when I didn't give up my workouts, I gave up more time on Instagram, right? And don't get me wrong. I'm still on social media. I still watch TV, all that stuff. Um, but to your point of like how I started to like, it's same thing I did with reading is I used to have this very structured workout schedule. Um, I competed in an Ironman in 2021. And so I like, I really know, and I know how to thrive in that, like, go, 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 right? Like mm. two workouts a day. Yes, please. Yeah. I love it. Seven and but a half now hours. My goal is Saturday morning. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know, like, so now <laughs> my goal, yeah, exactly. Like, Hey, I'm going to be on the bike for six hours. See you later. Um, now I always, I try to get four to five workouts a week and that's how I phrase it. Doesn't have to be in the mornings. Doesn't have to be in the afternoons. It doesn't have to be perfect. I've also limited. So I set my timer when I start my workout and I'm done at an hour. So mm. even if I'm still supposed to be doing sets because the program says I'm done. I get an hour and actually I've had some real good workouts because it's like, you're cooking, you know, they don't rest it yeah. very much. So, <laughs> so I've just put some limits on it and I say for a week and you know, one, like a couple weeks ago, I did two workouts on a Saturday and I did two more for the rest of the entire week. And I didn't like it. I, I, I want to do that. And then I just aim for steps like, Hey, every day, just get some movement in. Um, and I've, I've actually been, ah, I feel pretty good about where I'm at with fitness. Um, I'm not as, high fitness level as I've been in the past, but I'm not as low as I've been in the past either. And so, yeah, it's just, I got rid of the limitations, the, the false mm. limitations of it has to be in the morning or it has to be. And I mean, you know, you got to be careful with social media because it will feed that all like true discipline. People work out at 4am. Oh yeah. The most disciplined person I know in the world works out at 9pm every day. And he, because that's when it works for him, right. As yeah. nothing to do with social media, 4am, that's cool. I can appreciate it. It motivates me sometimes, but I think when you become a parent, instead of like you said, you don't drop it because it's not perfect. You find what can work. Right. And, and with the workout one specifically, it's also fine workouts that you actually enjoy because it's a lot harder. If you're really tired, if you really love running, then run. If you really love lifting, then lift. If you really love kettlebells, do kettlebells and maybe it won't be perfect, but you know, you're, you're talking short term. You're doing yeah. this for, 
a couple years, you know, a few years, and then eventually you will. Like I, I talked to a guy the other day who's done three Ironmans in the last three years, and he has kids that are teenagers, right? But he's like, yeah, when they were little, I didn't, and now I yeah. can again. And so I just, you just adjust in the time. But so that's what I mean, and I don't mean to like put anybody down or make anybody feel like they're inadequate. But I no. also do like, it's not your kid's fault. Don't you're. <laughs> I'll tell you a little bit of a. This is not my better side. <laughs> so, yeah. But one thing I told somebody once, and they're a friend of mine, and we were kind of joking, kind of not joking. You know how you do that with friends sometimes? And and he was like, he's like, man, like, once you have kids, you know, like your fitness just goes out the window. And I had heard that so many times. And I was like, here's the deal, man. You have to send me a picture of you shirtless before you had your kids. And if you were shredded then, and you're not now, <laughs> I'll leave this alone. No, right? You never really wanted to train like this. They're just a really convenient excuse. And don't get me wrong, I'm an introvert. So like, if we're out somewhere late at night, I kind of love the idea that now we have an excuse to go home, right? <laughs> because I'm like, uh, gotta go take care of the kid. <laughs> yeah, the beauty but, of, you said you you thrive in routine. The beauty is kids do too, right? You're like, yeah. you're yeah. like oh, nap schedule, <laughs> sorry. Gotta go. <laughs> nap schedule. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, but I don't have a dream and a goal of doing anything that would require me to be out till 11 PM or midnight. So whatever, but I do have a goal with fitness and health. So I can't, I won't, I basically refuse to use my kid as an excuse to not do that. Um, now there are weeks when we first brought him home, I don't think I worked out for like two and a half weeks because I like, it was like, yeah, right. Like I don't even know where I am right now. Um, <laughs> what time you know, like, yeah. Like I had no idea, like days, time zones. I mean, it was crazy. So, <laughs> so that was a different story, but yeah. So now I say four a week, I don't know when those are going to happen. And I communicate a lot with my wife. I'm like, all right, tomorrow, what does your day look like? When would this fit the best? Should I get up really early? Like I, there are days I wake up and I make a cup of coffee and I drink it while I warm up. Not my favorite way to exercise. I'd, I'd like to have a little bit of time to wake up, but in this season yeah, of life, right, right. Like, oh, this is great. This is an yeah, idea. In this season of life, <laughs> it happens. No, that's it. And I think it's really cool. I think so often when we think of like these big life accomplishments, it's like I'm either off doing them by myself or I'm with my family, right? There's like, mm -hmm. and I think you, there's so many opportunities for like whether it's like, teaching moments, bonding moments, when you like allow some of that to kind of fuse together and you, and you can actually pursue all these things and your, and your kids actually get to watch you pursue your dreams. Yeah. Right. Like my, like my oldest got to watch me and my wife, you know, flip a house and walk on site and ask questions and see how excited we were. And like, that, that was super fun. Like even now, like, um, I, I've been posting about it, but I'm doing, uh, yeah, his name's Ben Barker. He, he's a fitness guy. Oh, uh, he uh -huh. posts all these really like alpha, alpha dad. Content. Yeah. I, I love the alpha he, dad stuff. Yeah, I, I follow he, him too. So he's doing a, an October challenge that's, um, pushups, proverbs and protein. And so like each day of the, of October, you read one of the, you know, chapters through proverbs you, you do 10 more pushups each day. So you know, like today was 50 tomorrow will be 60 because the fifth. And then you you eat uh, one gram of protein per body weight. So like for me, I eat 150 grams of protein a day for you know every day in October. 
and today like my son and I were doing pushups together in the, yeah. the living room, you know, and you know, he wants to go get his, you know, his adventure Bible and I've got mine and he wants, you know, so it's just like things that are awesome, fitness yeah. in nature, spiritual, like it's not four o'clock in the morning by yourself in your Bible. It's sometimes mm-hmm. your kiddo wants to, I mean, like he can rattle off the books of the Bible better than I can because he yeah. just like enjoys it. <laughs> That Bible just like, school. <laughs> yeah, he's in it. And I'm always just like, I need to learn. Yeah. Well, I need yeah. to and I mean, up, too, you know? Yeah. And, I, you know, I'll be transparent too. Like, I have some big advantages. I work from home and I have a gym in my garage. Right. So, like, the one thing I would say too is if you're not a parent yet, or you are, and you really want to prioritize fitness, or maybe it's like you, like flipping houses and stuff, like, Think about how you can set up your environment to make that easier, right? Like, don't, don't make your dreams so hard on yourself, right? Like, oh, I really want to do this, but the gym I have to train at because I love the gym is 30 minutes away. And it's like, well, you know, right now you might want to go buy yourself some kettlebells and figure out how to work Mm -hmm. out at home at least a couple times a week because, because that's going to be better. Or like, you know, once my kiddo's old enough, I fully plan on doing like a running stroller here and there. Cause it's like, yeah, we can go together and, um, and I, you know, I, I just, I think finding those and setting up your environment to do that. Right. But I do want to be transparent. Like I, I do have some advantages, but I created those advantages on purpose. Right. And so being wow. intentional with that too. And, um, and the other thing I would say is if you're not a parent yet, but you know, you want to be a parent, get fit now, right? Like use, the, like go into it. Like one thing I did, once we found out we were pregnant, I did this, this workout program with a buddy of mine. And it put me in some of the best shape I've ever been in in my life, right? So then when he was born and I didn't work out for two and a half weeks, it didn't really have that large of an effect on me. And when I got back into it, I pretty much got back into it, you know, and, um, and that's been great. So that's the other thing too, is think, think strategically over, over time of how you can build an environment that sets you up for success. Like there's so many barriers in life to reading scripture, to slowing down all the things we've talked about today to being present. Why would you let your environment make it double hard? Right. So Mm. think about, I just like, I really do. I think, I think about like, how's, is my office set up to be productive? Is my gym set up to be efficient? Um, I don't know all those types of things. I just try to think of like, I think, I think James clear talks a lot about that in atomic habits. Like think about the environment that you're in. Yeah, no. And one thing you were just talking about, so I'm listening to the book, I Take the Stairs by Rory Baden right now. It was okay. the very first professional book, I professional development book I ever listened to ever, probably like four or five years ago. For whatever reason, I was like, let me just listen to this again. And it's just been like resonating like, <laughs> like crazy. But one of the things that the concepts he talks about that I think kind of goes with what you were just talking about was sometimes you have to do um, part-time, double-time for full-time free time. And sometimes there's like seasons where it's like, it's going to be a lot more intense than like Mm -hmm. your maybe, you know, business as usual kind of time. But like, you know, for you, Hey, I've got nine months to get in the best shape I possibly can. This is my part-time double time. We're going to get as fit as possible. And then after that, it's kind of like that full-time free time where like I can do three days a week, 30 minutes, and I'm maintaining exactly where I want to be. Yeah. But you put in that, you know, that intense kind of get you there and then you can kind of operate in a little bit more realistic schedule. So, you know, being that. purposeful That's, about yeah. how you, I'm how like you, mental how you noting that. going forward, right? Like, you know, <clears throat> that like certain seasons are coming, like, what do I need to maybe get 
more intense on now. So like in the future, it's not competing for, you know, the, the 24 hours of my day, it's in more of like a maintenance kind of mode versus mm-hmm. it is. Um, so I, I, that the topic has been kind of percolating yeah. a lot in my brain the last couple of days since I've listened yeah. to it again. Yeah, that's cool. It's like, uh, I'm not a big fan of the term work-life balance and that's why, cause I don't think a 50, 50 balance is what we're going for. I think that's yep. very unrealistic and just sets you up for failure. I think it's more of like a fill the tank, empty the tank, fill the tank, empty the tank model. Um, so yeah, I think that's right on, I think that's right on par how I feel professionally too. And taking that into, into parenthood and all those kinds of things. Cause even in parenthood, I think, you know, it sounds nice to be like, I give a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time, like you don't, and you don't have to like how, do, how you know what these seasons are like and, you know, sometimes you ask for help with the kiddos and someone comes and babysits for a night, yeah. not so you can go do some big, exciting thing, but so that you can like go to a movie theater and like sit there and do nothing. Right. And like, <laughs> I think those things, and those are okay. And I, that's, I think one of my, to go back to what we talked about really about the hustle culture thing, I'm really careful with it because I, I think it can get really, I mean, borderline kind of dangerous because it's not all about nose to the grindstone 24 seven. I did that and I, felt the the cost of that and I've moved away from it. And I think, so yeah, finding that sometimes you go all in, right? Like, Hey, the kids are sick. Someone's going to be out of town. This thing is happening. And it's like, we're in it now. Like <laughs> we are just in it. And eventually in a season, we're going to find ways to, to not be that full in and to teach your kids to do that. I mean, man, I mean, I'm thinking out loud now, but like, what a cool skill to also let them see and learn from. So mm-hmm. yeah, I love that concept. I'm sitting that, I love how that's articulated in that book. Yeah. And, and kind of building on some of your fitness examples, right? Like if you were to take like the, the grind, like hustle culture mentality and say, apply it to an Ironman training, like what's going to happen? You're probably going to be overtrained. You're probably going to get to your event probably going to blow up on the bike because you're not like you didn't periodize you know up to your event you were just like more 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 volume more volume more volume and then you blow up right because you know you're overtrained and and you're not actually ready and so just sheer volume isn't always the answer sometimes you need to have you know a intense period of building and then give yourself you know, that, and that rest period. And maybe it's not obviously like a three week build, give yourself a week off, but it could be, you know, work, you know, give your full effort for a certain chunk of your day. And then your rest period is laying on the floor with your kiddo playing, you know, whatever it may be. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, and this has been an amazing conversation. I've, I've really, I've really enjoyed this so much. Um, I don't want to take up your whole night. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And I think like you mentioned, I think there's um, some other topics that we could probably end up knocking out a whole, whole podcast on. Yeah. I'm always um, down for a part two if you want. So you yeah, just, no, I'm you just let me know. I'm up for it. Um, I love this stuff. <laughs> so in terms of like, you know, like the, the whether it's going to be a book or a long article like where where's the best place to kind of find you follow you kind of see what you're working on uh, things like that yeah well our mutual friend joe rinaldi uh, has pushed me for a long time to be more active in certain, <laughs> in certain spaces i was off social media completely for five years and if i'm honest it was probably some of the best time of my life sure so i struggle with social media a little bit but i am on instagram 
I do post things there. So if I do, as I start to write more and stuff, I'll post stuff there. Um, I'm also pretty active on LinkedIn actually, because professionally okay. that's just, I do a lot of leadership work on LinkedIn, but the other great thing is just my personal website. So I, if I write blogs or if I write articles, they all go there and people can obviously put in an email and get emailed when a new one comes out, if they want to, I don't, it's not charged or anything. It's just kind of there. Um, so yeah, just ryanmctaggart.com or cool. brotherslifecouncil.com. They both go to the same place. Working on revamping the website soon with a buddy of mine to make it a little more simple. But I think if I was going to point someone anywhere, that's probably the best place to go. And Instagram is a good place to just kind of be connected with me, I think. Perfect. I'll make sure that I that I put those the, that link uh, in the description so people can go sign up. And um, But man, Ryan, thank you so much. Thanks for sharing uh, your wisdom. Uh, it's been, uh, been a wonderful conversation. Have a good yeah, night, man. Yeah, Matt. Thanks for... Thanks for having me and thanks for just doing this. I think it's, um, I think fathers try to do things alone a lot and I wish that wasn't the case. And I've even struggled even with some of my best friends, like let's have a real conversation about fatherhood and it's hard. It doesn't really mm -hmm. happen. It's so against the norm. So I just appreciate that you have the platform and, uh, however I can support, let me know. Awesome. I really appreciate that. Uh, that it's very encouraging to hear. Definitely. Awesome, man. Have a good night. If you enjoyed this episode of the Faith Forged Fathers podcast, please leave us a five-star review on whichever podcast platform you're listening from. Subscribe to the podcast and also head on over to Instagram and follow at Faith Forged Fathers. Thanks again for listening.